I think we should really think about how to integrate logistics again in our urban design. Understanding logistics means that we need to understand our own shopping behavior. Hello there and welcome to the podcast No Stone Unturned from Sevels. In the coming eight episodes, we will tell you all about real estate and DSG in the Netherlands. How to build in a sustainable way. Why is impact investing important? And how can real estate help companies reach their sustainability objectives? I am Charlotte Harmsen and in this episode, I'm going to talk about mobility. My guest today is Tim Beckman, CEO of IntoSpace. Welcome, Tim. Good morning. Tim, I'd like to start this podcast episode by asking you a personal question. How many parcels do you have delivered to your own doorstep? <laughs> well, actually a lot, but we are very efficient because my son recently uh, stopped his study for this year uh, and he became a parcel delivery guy uh, working for PostNL at this moment. And that means that he is consolidating all the parcels that we are ordering at home because all the different drivers come to him from Max, can you please take this home? <laughs> for yourself. So you have your own personal delivery. We have our own yeah. personal delivery service. At well, I must say I also <laughs> know my personal delivery man by name. But uh, uh, and, and when did you first start ordering online? Yeah, to be honest, I was a very early adopter. I think at least for already, I think, 15 years, I'm ordering a lot of stuff on uh, online. I think it has to do a bit with my, my background. I've always worked in uh, in logistics. So I also helped a lot of companies to set up their e-commerce formula. So you had a, a lot of interest in what's happening on online. Uh, we helped Nespresso launch their services in the Netherlands. There's always been a lot of discussion about the di uh, distribution centers. And lately uh, we've seen newspapers full of it. Um, and... Um, Mostly it's about the way also the boxes look and feel, right? Uh, it's a bit of the, the big boxes, the boring grey boxes. What is going wrong? There's a lot going on because it indeed it's about... Uh, we see, of course, a, a huge change. Yeah? The, the, the rise of e-commerce makes that, that uh, logistics is very dynamic at the moment and there's a lot of new developments and a lot of new uh, logistics developments going on. So it is very visible what's happening at this moment. And, and, and we indeed now see a discussion coming on from we, we don't like these boxes. We think they spoil our landscape. Uh, they're ugly. Uh, but the bad thing in this is that we do not understand that this is part of our infrastructure. So the discussion is now also going on from what's really the added value of logistics. And do we really need these boxes? Uh, or, or shall we... Uh, prohibit uh, uh, the development of logistics real estate. And I think that's really going wrong at the moment because we have to understand that this is part of our modern infrastructure. And you need infrastructure to transport persons. You need infrastructure to transport data. But all the economy is based on an exchange of goods. So you also need infrastructure for exchanging goods and to transport products. I always think it's very interesting that you have a lot of a negative sentiment about um, distribution centers in our landscape. But on the other hand, you see people ordering more and more online. Of course, our um, online retail sales are growing each year. So it's a bit of a contradiction, right? You want your parcel delivered to you on the same day or the next day or within the hour, even uh, with the um, growth of the uh, really fast delivery. But you don't want to see any of the infrastructure behind it. Uh, where do you see the solution? Will uh, will we keep building these really XXL 
DCs or will we sort of go more towards um, city logistics, last mile delivery locations? Uh, we should first ask the better question. The better question is how can we avoid ugly buildings? And how can we make them or better integrate them in the in the landscape? Uh, because I've never heard anybody saying, shall we stop building electricity centrals? Uh, because these, these electricity uh, centrals are, are dead ugly. We all understand that we need electricity at our home. And I think this is the same or should be the same for logistics. So on one end, it starts with asking the right question. Can we make better and nicer buildings? And if I ask you that same question, so can we build better looking logistics, real estate? 100% for sure. And uh, how does that look like? And I think it's it's not it's not only in architecture and it's not only should be found in more better green solutions on it or nature inclusive. I think we should really think about how to integrate logistics again in our uh, urban design. Because if you if you look at, let's say, a uh, hundred years ago, if we look at how cities were built, uh, they were all built around harbors, they were all built around trade lanes. So logistics was probably the main driver for how we designed our cities. And over the last, uh, I think, 50 years, we stopped doing this and we, we focused more on building nicer cities and we focused on building nicer buildings. And we didn't give logistics any place there anymore. And that means that if you do not integrate logistics anymore, it has to find a solution itself. And then we saw well, and on, the, on the, the, the uh, edge of the cities or somewhere uh, in, in the, the Greenlands, in the middle yeah. of nowhere, there we saw all kinds of logistics rising with a huge amount of transport uh, coming from there into the cities. So it increased even transport movements. Uh, so I think it starts about integrating logistics again in uh, urban planning and urban design. Yeah, I, I think about also, of course, uh, we're, we're talking about mo mobility in the wider sense. So uh, there's also, of course, a huge trend of electric vehicles. Uh, also within the logistics uh, real estate sector, uh, you're trying to make your transport more electric. But then again, there's also then the challenge of how far you can can reach, right? So... Is that also changing the places where logistics is being developed? I think the, the, the range of our electric vehicles, I'm not sure if this will be the driver. Right? I think it's more about what's the function of logistics itself. On, on the other end, I think this is exactly uh, what we are thinking of now, is give, uh, can we give our buildings uh, more functions? Uh, how can we uh, give them a multi-user uh, functionality? I'm looking for the right word, sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that means that, for instance, all the rooftops of our buildings are covered with uh, solar panels. So that means that, yeah, on average, we only consume 20% of what we produce. So all the, the all the, the distribution centers are actually electricity centers. And so 80% of what we produce on energy is something we give back to the grid. And the grid needs it, because there we come to another challenge. We have all these heat pumps, we have all these windmills. So there's a, a complete different use of our energy network. And uh, at this moment, that leads to a huge congestion. And that's the reason why we have issues in 75% of the Netherlands to get any new energy connection to the grid. And I think this won't be solved by increasing the capacity of our energy network. And you cannot convert all the small roads into highways. Partly you can. 
but you have to think about a different way of using energy. Congestion can be solved by storage, for instance. So if you delay your transport, uh, then you help at that moment your congestion issues and you can focus more on local distribution. So can we locally use the energy better and share this with our neighbors, for instance, and, and make a more smarter grid? Uh, and we think, and that's what we are getting confirmed now from all the different utility companies, we think that we will play or can play a major role in the future in solving the energy problems from the grid. And what do you need from, because you, you are already having this conversation with the, um, several utility, uh, energy utility yeah. companies, what would you need from central government or maybe local government uh, to make this happen? Now that's, a, that's a very good question. <laughs> Um, I think there's a, a, a on a lot of ways you need to um, um, have active discussions with the with the government. Uh, they have to understand the importance of logistics first, and they have to understand that it's probably um, uh, solving your solutions requires different a different approach. So, for instance, if I would like to deliver my energy to my neighbor, so if I have a, a logistics building and I would like to deliver the energy to the neighbor, then this is not allowed. And then I would uh, briefly like to get into, I, I know this episode is about mobility and it's yeah, mostly focused on the E of ESG, but I know you're also really looking into the S of ESG, the social component. One of the biggest challenges I think in the logistics sector is um, uh, attracting and retaining uh, talent, uh, workforce. Um, yeah, what what does a building need to be able to um, contribute to that objective? There's a, a lot of opportunities for uh, logistics companies, I think, in here, because we all face an aging society. So that means that it, the war on talent will uh, become increasingly difficult. Uh, and if you look at an average uh, logistics building, uh, then you see that this is a building with... Oh, it's some kind of a bunker, you could even say, with, with little daylight. And uh, most of the older facilities uh, are not really inspiring working environments. And if you'd like to retain talent, I think you should start already with creating a nice environment to work for. If you have all these kind of employee satisfaction surveys, if you look at them, you see at most of the occasions, I think, at... Well, in the top three of what an employee wants uh, uh, for a nice job is that they, they like to have a nice environment to work in. So creating daylight, creating a better climate, creating a good infrastructure and making a nice building. Uh, that's, I think, already uh, on short term, some kind of very big wins that you can create over there. Take care of yeah, the catering we, services. We uh, have a report that we've done for years. It's about the office market. It says what workers want. So we do a survey amongst Occupy Shell, you've seen loads of those surveys uh, the last year during Corona. And last year, we did it for the first time in the logistics sector. So it was a what warehouse workers want uh, survey. And what was, I think, very interesting to see is that the number one uh, thing that these uh, warehouse workers would like to see improved is the way that they can get to work. So they work at a logistics uh, company and actually they can't get to work uh, with uh, public transport. Um, do your developments have any solutions for that as well? Well, this is a, a, a huge challenge indeed. So we have a lot of discussions as well with uh, public transport companies because I think one of the issues is that logistics is typically a 24 hours a day activity. 
Uh, and public transport, if it's already available somewhere, then it's typically drive from 7 a.m. till, well, to an industrial area, probably to 6 uh, p.m., for instance. So that means that half of the uh, 24 hours are not covered by public transport. Um, it all depends on volume. So these, this is very difficult to get uh, the, the transport companies convinced that it would make sense to... Uh, take care of some kind of services in day of in nighttime as well, and then we try to solve this on the business park together with all the business members, creating their own shuttle services, for instance. Yeah, because I can imagine, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to build like the most sustainable warehouse in the Netherlands and then have people driving uh, their diesel cars uh, to work every day. Oh, that's correct. So that and that means you can create shuttle services. In every episode, we ask someone from Savills to dive into the Savills database and bring us a statistic that really stands out and which says something about ESG-related topics. Our guest today is Douglas van Oers, co-head of logistics and industrial at Savills in the Netherlands. Douglas, what is your standout statistic? Hi, Charlotte. Well, my standout statistic for this episode is 300%. And 300% of what? So 300% is a number which uh, which actually shows you the exponential growth of the number of web shops over the past decade, uh, which I think is, of course, a substantial uh, increase. Um, I think we've went from 20,000 to over 70,000 web shops in a, in a period of 10 years. That's massive growth. And what does this exponential growth of e-commerce mean for the logistics property market in the Netherlands? Uh, it has meant a lot over the past decade. I think you've seen that um, there, there's been a lot of new builds. Uh, I think the total supply has increased with over 40%. Um, and that that's only, or part, a big part of that is due to the growth of the e-commerce. Of course, there's also growth of, um, of import and export. But I think that if you then look at the vacancy levels, which are on an all-time low, it shows you that all of the space that was built is also being taken up, which is, of course, following the growth of the uh, also of the web shops. And how much additional space uh, do you think we will need to accommodate all this demand? I think if you would be conservative, I would say at least one million square meter. One million square meters of extra logistics space in the Netherlands. Thank you, Douglas. In 2021, logistics was the largest investment category in the Dutch property markets for the very first time. Um, Tim, what would you advise investors looking to invest in the Dutch logistics market? Um, I, th I would advise them for sure to, to look at properties that uh, are not only outstanding in terms of uh, sustainability, but also have smart energy solutions available, so they have to be what I call future-proof. Uh, but on the other hand, I also would advise them to look at uh, what can we do with these buildings in future? So what's the alternative using possibilities? And that can be that the building is on an outstanding location and that it's built in such a way that it's for generic use possible. But you can also think of, can we, can we give it a complete different destination? And is there anything really specific uh, regarding the Netherlands uh, that international investors need to take into account. Maybe they're used to investing in, in Germany or in the UK. Uh, if they're coming to the Netherlands, is there something that makes our market uh, different than others? No, I think the Netherlands has an outstanding quality. So I think the, the quality of our logistics infrastructure is very high. This is also recognized on the international market. I think the more important is if you enter a market if to understand where are they in the life cycle of shopping behavior. 
And so as, as, as Douglas mentioned already, look at other countries. For instance, the UK uh, is a few years ahead if you look at uh, consumer behaviors, simply because of the fact that uh, there are a lot of international retailers available on the market over there, which are not present in the Netherlands. There's no Walmart here, there's no Tesco here, there's no Amazon yet, uh, only starting to, to start up in the Netherlands now. And it's interesting to see what kind of development you, you see over there. Because understanding logistics means that we need to understand our own shopping behavior. So you've mentioned in the beginning the development of big boxes, which, which I think will continue. But the, the, uh, the scary thing is we will also move into fast deliveries, the 10 minutes deliveries. And if this becomes a kind of success that Gorilla companies like, uh, then you can imagine what kind of additional infrastructure is needed or required in order to support these, this development. And, and I urge then also the local governments to start thinking of how to integrate logistics in your infrastructure, because if you neglect it, they will find their own way. Yeah, and then you will have a second Airbnb. Uh... Exactly, that's what will happen. In every episode of our podcast series, we ask our colleague Iris Kampers to bring her one of her latest ESG insights. And today, of course, we're talking about mobility. And I'm very interested, Iris, to hear from you. What ESG insight do you have on this theme? Well, thank you, Charlotte. And it's great to see that Tim is so enthusiastic about all the developments that he's doing. But obviously, he's ahead of the curve. He's way ahead. We see so many different distribution centers popping up in the Netherlands these days, and they all have very specific um, issues with infrastructure. So I'm going to try and, and expand a little bit on mobility and, and talk about infrastructure. Because what we see in real estate is that people have been placing solar panels on their roofs for years. And, you know, Tim is no different. He's trying to upgrade to the latest um, energy demand and, and make sure that his uh, distribution center keeps running in case of, well, anything basically, and in a green, sustainable way. So a lot of people have done the same thing and placed solar panels all over their roofs. Um, and distribution centers obviously have huge amounts of roof space. So they are like basically... Very like, fit for the job. Very fit for the job, exactly. And um, so a couple of years ago, we got the first power outage as a result of this, because all these people with all these different solar panels are all on grid. In the Netherlands, it's still very um, normal to go for an on-grid system. And whenever everyone plugs in their electric vehicle at the end of the day or whenever um, the sun is shining all over the Netherlands and, and all these solar panels are generating energy, the net that we currently have doesn't hold. It's just out. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, we're looking more and more into electric vehicles, more and more into electric type uh, of solutions because it's more sustainable than, for example, gas or uh, fuel, other types of fuel. And this is going to put even more pressure on the net. We don't have a solution for this as of yet. We're oh, I thought you're maybe now going to bring us the solution of this problem. No, we're, we're, we see that a lot of developers are looking into different solutions. So they're looking towards implementing... Battery storage. Battery storage or doing a self-sustaining grid. Mm -hmm. So making their own little local grid in order to circumvent the national grid. Um, but we're still trying and, and sort of failing and, you know, trying different types of solutions. And, and I'm really excited to see where this is going. 
and and how much um, cooperation we can expect from different types of companies. Because if our grid uh, provider would do a, a large upgrade, that might really help with this type of question. Um, but so far, we're still trying to figure it out and we're still um, seeing a lot of innovation being done by people like Tim who just say, okay, I don't care that these are the circumstances, I'm just going to push it forward and I'm going for sustainable. So definitely for all the international investors or developers listening to this podcast series, is it something to look out for when developing in the Netherlands? We don't have the solution today, but we will bring you uh, up to date in uh, the Savills blogs and press releases if there's any update on, uh, on this issue. Uh, thank you so much, Iris, for sharing this update with us today. Usually towards the end of the podcast episode, I ask my guests about a dream projects. Um, I think we already talked about a couple of your dream projects that you're already realizing. Uh, but yeah, is, is there something that you, that you dream of in terms of logistics real estate that is not yet there? If I stay very close at home, uh, then I would like to focus on another project that we are working on at this moment. So... Uh, we are. Uh, we've recently bought a brownfield development, which is very close to an urban area, where we really thought of how can we, on a on a better and a more sustainable uh, and a social acceptable way, develop logistics. Uh, if we talk about how to better integrate logistics in urban infrastructure, can we give the example by ourselves? So we have now uh, finished a design where. Uh, the side walls of the building, eh, of the of the logistics building, as well as the back wall, are all uh, how do you say this? Covered with apartments. So we've, we've residential apartments. Residential apartments. So we've connected residential about 130 residential compartments, um, apartments to this uh, logistics facility, where these apartments even rise a little above the rooftop of this facility. And on top of the rooftop, we have concentrated on, of projected now to sport fields, so soccer fields, like for instance you see uh, at IKEA in Utrecht. Um, so that means that you create a kind of second uh, ground floor level, but then on 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 the rooftop, uh, where there's room for retail, there's room for some restaurants, some coffee bars, but also for uh, leisure. That sounds like next level mixed use. Yes, and the aim for us is if this municipality. Uh, will be as enthusiastic of this development as we are, uh, then our aim is to start constructing this already this year. Amazing. Well, let me know how, uh, how your uh, conversations with the government uh, turn out. Thank you, Tim Beckman, CEO of Intuspace. We've learned today that it is important to invest in the future-proofness of logistics real estate by rethinking the boring box and building smarter sheds. Please subscribe to this podcast when you don't want to miss a thing and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app. My name is Charlotte Harmse and this was No Stone Unturned.